All right, it is time now for Focus on Faith, and uh, Mike Golick Jr., our guest uh, this week, son of former Notre Dame standout Mike Golick, and of course uh, his mom, Christine Golick, had mom and dad on this Focus on Faith interview in the past. Jr., again, a starting offensive lineman on the 2012 Irish football team that played for the national title, now a radio host at ESPN, talks about how his Catholic faith guides him as a host, his memories from 2012, his favorite spot on campus, and of course, the return of college football. Here's Focus on Faith with Mike Golick Jr. on Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays. All right, Mike, first of all, college football is back. I know you've been very vocal on social media, you know, on your radio show, discussing all this. Uh, are you amazed that that we are finally here and that Notre Dame football is going to play a game here against Duke? I am. There was a, a, a lot of times over the course of this summer and even heading into this fall where, the situation looked difficult. We know that Notre Dame uh, for a while, even on their campus was dealing with a lot of adversity when it came to the virus and trying to, to go about life in a college environment responsibly in the middle of a global pandemic, which sounds like it's almost counterintuitive, but I give a lot of credit to everybody involved and especially the players and the coaches, the, the support staffs, everyone that you know, I know is a part of the operation and making something as complex as a football program go for, for doing so much hard work and doing so much diligent work. You know, I, I, uh, I've had a lot of vocal qualms and, and certainly some debates about whether or not football should be played during all this, if it is safe. But you've seen the one thing that shined through is how much it matters to so many people and the willingness of the players, coaches, and everyone involved to go above and beyond in all the normal things that make great teams, the selflessness, the attention to detail, and applying all of those same things that will ultimately make a team successful in a normal year, be able to go about and operate safely with the best interest of everyone's health and well-being in a very different sense in one of the most stressful years anyone's ever seen. Mike Golick Jr. joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays was a starting offensive lineman on the 2012 Notre Dame football team that played for the national championship. Uh, Mike, take us back to to that season uh, and how special that was to be a part of that. You, you kind of mentioned that you were a late bloomer. You know, you didn't you didn't get to play too much uh, as you know, as an underclassman, then suddenly you get thrust into a starting role and, and there you are getting a chance to play for a national championship. What was that experience like looking back at it now, you know, eight, eight years removed? Yeah, you know, I, I always remind myself because the tendency is to look back on it with a lot of rose-colored glasses. There were a lot of hard days in that. And like you mentioned, I didn't go into that year. You know, I'm playing with Braxton Cave who started for multiple years, Zach Martin and Chris Watt who were – holding it down on the left side of that line and obviously what Zach's done since there. And so for me and Christian Lombard on the right side of that line, there were some growing pains. And Harry Heastan, who's you know the best coach I've ever had on any level, was also someone with an incredibly high standard. And so going in every day, you felt the pressure to meet that standard. We knew what was on the line and what we thought we were capable of. So I always remind myself that the beauty of that season and the reason that I remember it so fondly now is because it took so much hard work and there were days where it was a grind and you felt like it was more of a job than anything else. But those are the things that are necessary. And I think that's one of the things I always took, which is anything in life that's of any value is going to take at times repetition, doing the right thing over and over again in the dark when nobody's watching so that you can reap the results when you've got a stadium around you all of a sudden 
that's decided to pay attention. And I know that's bled over into my work life, but getting to do that and enjoy it with the guys that I did, the teammates that we had that are still some of my closest friends, guys that I keep in touch with, having those memories of some of the big-time stages we got to play on during the course of that season, I think all of those things, and especially now working in sports media, they're all the things I draw on so readily because you, you kind of remind yourself every once in a while what it's like to be in those shoes and in those moments as you get ready to cover athletes that are going through them in real time now. Got a favorite spot on campus? I, I, I mean, it, it's, I always tell people, you play the hits when you go back to Notre Dame. I was you know, back out there briefly this summer before a, a lot of COVID-19 made traveling a little more difficult. And I just got to spend some time out there by myself. And I go to the grotto. I go by the lakes. I, I bike over by campus and I see all those spots. You know, I, I always tell people the, the coolest thing about the grotto to me is that I've never been there alone. Like I, I have been there at every hour, every you know, season, at every time of year and really every circumstance, whether it's been joy or sorrow and, you're never there alone. There's always somebody else down there coming to try and have a moment to themselves and be in a spot where they can, you know, just have a few minutes of quiet. And I think, you know, when you're, when you're in college there, you've got so much going on that you're trying to balance on campus that it's sort of a respite. And when you leave and you're a graduate, you come back and it's a spot where you can kind of reconnect in the same way, a spot that's still kind of yours in the way that the rest of campus isn't anymore. You know, the rest of campus belongs to the, the, the kids that are there now, and, and rightly so, but you can kind of come back and intersect with that one spot that always just, it, it feels a little, you know, it feels a little more down there. Everything feels a little more down there. You went to Catholic high school, obviously went to Catholic University at Notre Dame. Just having that education, how, how have you benefited from having the Catholic education that you had, Mike? Yeah, I, I think there are so many elements of, of, of growing up, and you know, I, I grew up and was raised Roman Catholic, and just I, I think the foundations and kind of the pillars you get to build your life around when, when faith is at the core uh, of, you know, certainly both your personal life, but also your learning when a lot of those same elements and tenets that make, you know, religion such a strong foundation for so many people can be woven into the curriculum at certain times, can be a part of your day where you can have classes where you're learning more about that. And just that opportunity to kind of constantly be reminded, all right, here are the things that I believe, and here's how those intersect with the things that I'm learning about other subjects, the things that I'm learning about life. And so making sure I was always grounded, you know, service was something that becomes very big through the course of uh, uh, faith-based education. And that's something that, you know, from I was in high school to the time I was at Notre Dame, having that sort of, you know, feeling of obligation and duty to others that comes from that, I, I think is a huge thing that I've noticed in a lot of my peers also that, you know, whether it was going through Catholic high school and, you know, Catholic education before that and through my time at Notre Dame has tended to be the, the biggest thing that resonates later on in life is it really does make you so accountable to other people and understand that your duty is to make sure that, you know, everyone around you gets, you know, gets a great opportunity and feels supported and, and you know, the least, you know, we're only the best when the least of us feel like they're the most. And, and I just think that dedication to service was really something that always resonated with me through the course of that. And then, you know, obviously we're going through COVID for what feels like forever. There's been racial injustice in our country that, that so many people have been speaking out about. How do you maybe 
weigh that with your faith and and try to find the the answers to guide you, especially as someone who's now got a prominent voice on on you know national radio um, as you deliver your message of what you think is going on and what what is right and wrong and what we have to do as as a society to be in a better place. Yeah, I, I mean, I think one of the other important tenets is if you know if you if you believe that everyone is made in God's likeness and the, the things that come along with that, then seeing and valuing everyone's experience and understanding, you know, the unique gifts that everyone brings to the table. The one thing I always told myself was, oh, you can only, you know, I have certain gifts. I have certain things that come along with my life experience, but that's a limited scope. And if I'm, you know, humble enough to listen to others and hear their perspectives, I can learn a lot from that. And having the opportunity to listen to a lot of my teammates, a lot of people that I got to know as I grew older who came from different backgrounds, who experienced some of the things and some of the evils that we're seeing pop up through the course of a summer like this. That's the experience I draw on is, all right, I may not know what this looks like personally, but I have heard so much of these experiences and I've allowed myself to listen and to understand that so many people I'm close with and love who have dealt with the experiences that a lot of people in black America have have told me these things as they've come up and have expressed and shared their pain with me. And what a, you know, what a gift and what an honor for someone to trust you with some of the most painful moments of their life as they reach out and try and say, listen to me, hear me. I, I, I need help in all of this and trying to just be an ally through the course of that, trying to, to help in the spots that we can, because none of the problems and, and issues that have come up this summer should fall squarely on the shoulders of any one group of people. It shouldn't be black America's job to, to fix the problems and the ills that have plagued this country for a long time. It should be on all of us to care enough about our fellow man to say, I'm not going to sit idly by and let these things continue to happen. Mike Golick Jr., former Notre Dame offensive lineman from 2012's National Championship Bound Team, and then also the host now of Chinny and Golick Jr. on ESPN Radio joining us here. You know, one of the things I like about this uh, interview segment, Mike, is the fact that I feel like it's the intersection of family, faith, and and football. And obviously you have a very close-knit family in so many ways. And nothing was maybe a better example of that was then was the, the goodbye for your dad on uh, Golik and Wingo as he signed off from the mornings in ESPN Radio. And, and you almost made it, but in those last two minutes, what you said was very powerful and, and it, it teared you up as you thanked your dad for all he's done. How difficult was that moment? And did you think you were actually going to avoid crying? Uh, you know what? It's one of those things where I, I had an idea of what I wanted to say. And, you know, radio is, you know, uh, you know, one part planning and then two parts basically living in the moment and kind of reacting on the fly. And that turned into a lot more reacting on the fly when I made eye contact with my mom, who is <laughs> one of the foremost priors our nation knows, let alone in my family. But uh, no, I always kind of knew it was going to be emotional. I, I, I thought that was important. Like from the time my dad started doing radio when I was a little kid, we were all told, you know, this is going to be a show that's just as much about family as it is about sports. And radio is a very personal medium like that. So you kind of have to make that decision whether you're going to be all in or all out. And my dad and our family were all in from that time period. And so if it had started and always been a family show, why should it not end that way? And, and, you know, we all sit around now and I think we've had a lot of time to think during the course of what's happened in the last couple of months in a way that's been different from any time before. And, during that time period, I keep coming back to, you know, we, we, we end up saying so many goodbyes and leaving so many things unsaid. Like, why not give people flowers when you still have the chance? Why not, you know, 
tell the man who's been your hero your whole life that he is and, and take that opportunity to show everyone like that's you know that's something we can do it's okay you can you can go on national tv and national radio and cry and hang out with your family and you know remind people that you know, we're just like everybody else like we're we're a family that has our issues and has our fights and arguments, but also has a lot of laughs and a lot of good times. And at the end of the day, the foundation of all of it is we love the hell out of each other. And, and I, I think that was kind of the, the cool part about that moment. You know, I, I meant everything I said. We, we, as I said, when we turned off the microphones, I spent the entire weekend with my family. Like, that was the best part of it. And, you know, we got to share a, an even more intimate moment with a whole audience full of people that had grown to really love my dad in a way that was cool to see. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And if uh, those listening have not seen that, uh, just you know, search it out on YouTube. It's it's just an incredibly powerful uh, two minutes between you know a, a son, a dad, a mom, and a sister and brother. You know, it, it was just really special. Mike Golick Jr. joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Uh, you get your own show now. <laughs> it, it was. You know, Golik and Wingo, and, and you were the third wheel there a little bit. Now it's Chinny and Golik Jr. You get your official name uh, on there. Uh, what's this transition been like, and and how much are you enjoying having officially your own show? Yeah, it's been really exciting. It's been super interesting, and I think everything that I've been through up until this point, and certainly growing up watching my dad lead a show and lead you know, the biggest morning sports talk radio show on the national stage that we'll probably ever see, like getting to see him lead in all those ways has been super helpful now as I kind of go out on my own. And, and listen, I'm super fortunate. Like today's a rock star. Like she's such a, a gifted analyst and such a fun person. And you talk about, you know, what I just said, being open and being willing to kind of live your life very publicly. She's done that as an athlete. She was a number one overall pick and an All-American and all these great things when she was playing at Stanford. Uh, you know, she's uh, been an all-star in the WNBA now and plays with her sister, so she understands family and athletics and the way that all these things can cross over together. And so I just think that pairing, having someone now who you know is, is around my age, it just allows us to, to do some pretty fun things and to grow together and learn in all of this. And so there are so many ways it's different. I was working with my dad and Trey, who are two multi-decade veterans in this field and who knew so much that I was trying to just tap into. And now we get to sort of, you know, make mistakes going 100 miles an hour, kind of the old sports cliche, but that's what we're both used to. And so we, we, we try and bring that mentality each and every day and know if we're going to mess up, we're going to do it full speed. Finally, uh, you know, obviously we've gotten used to watching sports on TV where there haven't been fans, but... 2.30 kickoff, Notre Dame-Duke. Is it going to be weird seeing only about 15,000 people at Notre Dame Stadium? It's going to be very, very strange. I had the opportunity to call what, what you know was technically the first college football game back. It was Central Arkansas and Austin P. so an, F- an FCS matchup. But still, one, there were only, I think, 5,000 people in attendance, maybe even less than that. And seeing the, the shots of people sparsely spread out, socially distanced throughout the stands and we know for Notre Dame it's going to be that way for the students and the, the, the faculty and the people around campus that have the opportunity to be there. But uh, I think for us at home, we've gotten sort of used to that experience. I'm sure for the players it'll be a bit of a jolt at first, but at the same time, I always said, when you get out there in between the white lines and you've got a 300-pound guy who's, in my case, was a better athlete than you trying to come across and 
you know, run through you on the way to hitting one of your buddies. It's amazing how quickly you can snap into form and all of a sudden self-preservation takes over <laughs> and gives you a fair amount of juice. So those guys will be excited. They've been working so long in such adverse circumstances to get to this point. It'll be great for them. And I think at this point for all of us, for anyone that, you know, has even felt conflicted, it's not because we don't love football and don't want to see it and that there won't be a ton of joy and just, having something back that feels normal in a year that's been anything but. Mike, thank you so much. Thanks, Angelo. Mike Golick Jr. joining us here on Focus on Faith and Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Just a great guy from a great family. Uh, uh, Kevin, your, your thoughts on what uh, some of the highlights were there from uh, Junior's interview? Well, I just think it was awesome. Again, I'm on that thankful <laughs> bandwagon, but to have the uh, – couple highlights just the the catholic education is great you can tell that just with his uh, upbringing and kind of his mentality to speak about the grotto again growing up in south bend that's another thing that i uh take for granted and then I, a lesson learned uh that hopefully my kids are listening is doing the repetition of doing the right thing when uh, no one's watching so that's really powerful but yeah well, a great segment great guy faith uh family football it's wonderful and he 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 was i'll just say this he was not originally scheduled to be this week's interview and uh, got a hold of him real quick and he said yep let's do it because that's the type of family they are yeah and uh I, I wanted to have him on this year but we sped that up a little quicker than usual <laughs> because of, of something else falling through. Uh, but uh, thanks again to Mike Golick Jr. for joining us here on Redeemer Radio. What's the difference between Notre Dame Federal Credit Union and a bank? Well, banks are owned by investors looking to make a profit. Notre Dame FCU is different. We are a not-for-profit member-owned cooperative. Our mission is to help our members improve their lives by providing products and services to save them money. If we end up with too much money ourselves, we simply give it away to our members' favorite charities. Last year, over a million dollars. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.